you spend more time on campus than most people that have degrees from Lynchburg. So <laughs> I guess, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, I think that counts. I think that counts. Yeah. So. Right now, the first car one lap down is Brad and Joe. I hit his tire. I hit his tire. <laughs> broke again. God. And with that, we welcome you to lap 51 of One Lap Down. I'm Joe, he's Brad, and um, we're always multitasking on this show. Um, I just finished up some paint schemes, and Brad's doing some laundry as we do the show. So uh, if you hear that snap of a shirt, that's what's going on. How does that hear that one? Now I'm really embellishing it. (laughs) Yeah, pumpkins in the middle of all of it, though. I'll I'll stop doing laundry, Joe. We got some we got some in, some important stuff to talk about today. But first, mm. pop quiz. This is lap fifty one. Mm. What do they name the fifty first state in the United States? What did they name? No, like what is the nickname of the fifty first state, or the, is nicknamed this fifty first state? Do you know? Uh, D.C. I don't know. Washington D.C. Very good. Oh, okay. <laughs> very very good. Very good. It wasn't that tough, but you know, I, I knew there still... was a, I knew there was uh, noise around that conversation, but I didn't know. Well, you hit me with some history last week, so right out of the gate, here we go. I like speaking it. Of out of, speaking of out of the gate, what you got? Yeah, let's today? do it then. Yeah, here we go. Out of the gate, uh, one of the topics we're going to discuss, uh, not getting into the race just yet, but the F1 race in Miami this past weekend, three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, saw over 242,000 people attend across the three days uh, with a race day total of 85,280. So that's the largest crowd ever at Hard Rock Stadium, not in the stadium, of course, but uh, in the on the grounds. Um, from your perspective, Brad, after watching everything and uh, or seeing as much as you can, you can. Is this proof that that more U.S. Grand Prix are a good thing or is it just a first time so it's a flash in the pan? Well, it's interesting, right? If we go to Austin and it's the U.S. Grand Prix, right? If we go mm-hmm. to Miami, it's the Miami Grand Prix, right? And and you look at the crowd there as as I think F1 really is. It's not really when they go when you know when they go to these big cities, it's not really like the Italians there. It's not really the Hungarians there. You know, it's an international sport and people come in from all around the world. When I lived in Austin and I wasn't into Formula One yet, that's what they talked about. Formula One, Formula One weekend all of these international folks were coming in. And so, um, you know, I think that Miami is already an international destination. Like people love Miami as they should. It's a cool place. And so I think it, it just, it, it's a natural fit for an international city to host an international event like that. Um, you know, so I don't know if it's necessarily indic- indicative of that. Um, it definitely was the cringiest Grand Prix that I've ever watched between the interviews and the pre-race and the post-race and the football helmets, which is fun. Like, I liked it. It was fun. But you just there are so many times that you just kind of had to smile and shake your head. And, you know, maybe that's the way everybody feels at their home Grand Prix when they play up the stereotypes, right? Like, yeah, I think that's just kind of we just got a real heavy dose of it this weekend. What do you think? We did go heavy into the Americana uh, side of things oh, and, and really specific to the Dolphins, to, to Miami, you know, where they were with the football helmets uh, more specifically. And, you know, Max getting a Dolphin signed helmet and Dan Marino handing out trophies. Um, 
I, I tend to agree with you in terms of the, the cringiness. I think our favorite Instagram follow F1 troll, you know, they had one of those memes about, you know, the face every American was making during the post-race stuff. Cause we're, yeah, Michael we, Scott. Yeah. Every, every, uh, even Heather, both of us were like, Oh, this just feels like over the top. Like they're trying too hard. Uh, but I will say, you know, that three day total is more than they got at Coda last year. So I think, I mean, cause the reason I'm putting this on here is because some people think, well, three cities, U S is getting too much love. It's too many races in North America. We should go to other spots, but man, if you're F1 and obviously you're all about that bottom nine, you know, the money you get, you got to keep going to places if you're going to bring that many people to the, the arena of, of the racing. And you got to imagine Vegas is going to be the same, if not crazier next year. So I think that three U.S. events are probably here to stay for at least the next five, six years. I think Miami is 2028, right? Or 2026, I can't remember it's, what yeah, that contract it, is. It, it's it's pretty significant term. And, and I agree with you with that. I mean, I, I don't want to point to it and say, yes, the U.S. is a big success. But I, I will say the drivers love coming to the States. Mm-hmm. The teams love coming to the States. Like, you know, and you know, I mean, we're Americans and we get to brag about it a little bit. But, you know, I, I have a feeling like, you know, you're going to these big cities. I mean, I think even if you added a fourth, you did the the New York Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. I mean, if you, you're getting those like those city sites and all that, you're going to sell it out. You're going to have a big weekend. You know, you got to do the big cities now, you know, city near and dear to me in Memphis, Tennessee. That'd be pretty cool to have the race going over the bridge, over the Mississippi River. Mm-hmm. Like I would pay my life savings to see that. <laughs> Yeah. But that's not going to that's not going to garner. So I think that, like, you've got to stick to the international cities in the United States. And that's what's going to draw the big crowd. Well, let's stick with F1 and move on to the race recap. We're going lights out on one lap down. And it's lights out and away we go. Victoire de Pierre Max Verstappen continues the trend of when he sees the checkered flag, he sees it first. He wins from third on the grid for his 21st victory, which ties him, by the way, with Kimi Raikkonen for 15th all time. So pretty good for uh, as young as Max is. Uh, Before we get into the rest of the race, uh, Brad's got our top 10 to run through. Yep. Yep. Nothing notable. All right. Horrible race. Let's move on. Nothing to see here. Let's go. All right. And open wheel, no American madness. Oh, wait, they didn't race this weekend. Not yet. Uh, no, uh, do get your top 10. Obviously I'm a little sour because down there at the bottom of it, the DNF uh, Lando Norris gets punted by uh, Pierre Gasly in my opinion, but let's hit your top 10, uh, 10th place, uh, kind of battling back after pit lane start. Interesting to see Lance stroll there in the Aston Martin scoring some points, uh, ninth place, uh, Alex Albon in that Williams. Yeah, keeping his hair dyed red. If you haven't followed that story, he's dying his hair red and coming out with some good luck on that. Esteban Ocon in eighth. You've got Valtteri Bottas in seventh. Ugh, a light slide, a mess on a corner. He should have been up there in fifth. Uh, Lewis Hamilton in sixth. Uh, his teammate, George Russell, ahead of him. No drama there uh, in fifth. Uh, fourth place, you've got Sergio Perez. A lot of Mexican fan, fans out there in Miami. It's cool to see his big fan base. Uh, Carlos Sainz finishing a race this weekend, uh, but just coming up third. His teammate Charles Leclerc in second. And then Max Verstappen, after qualifying third, uh, gets up there and uh, has a great race. Really dominates it start to finish, in my opinion, and uh, has a great race win. Still, Charles Leclerc out there leading the points. 
but great race. I think worth noting, if you looked at the end of the race, if you followed along, you saw Fernando Alonso in the points, but mm. uh, some late penalties bumped him down to 11th. That's why you didn't hear him in the top 10. So uh, that's your top 10 for the week. Uh, Joe, what's the biggest surprise in there in that top 10 for you? Uh, biggest surprise would have to be, I know they, I know they benefited from Alonzo getting booted out that five second, uh, penalty, but I got to say stroll slash Albon. Uh, I know they got some, again, there's always going to be a little bit of luck involved. Uh, but like yep. you mentioned, Aston Martin, both cars starting on the pit lane cause they had fuel problems. Fuel was too cold, which is interesting. Like, I don't know how that happens, but, um, you know, him finding his way to 10th and then Albon getting two points for Williams. That's a total of three for him alone. Uh, this season really proven his worth as far as being able to push that car, uh, regardless of how good or bad it is to a good spot. Yeah. Uh, I feel bad yeah. for, for Mick. I was really rooting for him to get some points and him and Seb got together. That, that kind of sucked, but I, yeah, I think if you look, you look through there you're not expecting currently uh those cars where they started to do what they did so i think those are the the easy choices but of course some are going to say russell george russell getting uh fifth spot uh but kind of again lucked into it because that safety car otherwise he probably would have been back a little bit further yeah yeah but i mean he's what i like about George and the Mercedes is he still has the attitude that he, that he had when he was in the Williams mm-hmm. where it was like risk, risk everything, right? Like risk it. Like, why don't we risk staying out because there might be a safety car late in this race. And there was right. And the odds mm-hmm. were pretty high that there was going to be one. There hadn't been one all race. You know, that was what he used to do in the Williams to sneak in the top 10, right? Everything was like trying to get some points, trying to get some points, trying to sneak in there, you know, trying to take advantage of other people's mistakes. And, you know, he's not sitting back running this conservative race anymore. And, you know, and that's where, that's where he and Lewis are different. Lewis used to be, he knew he was going to place well in every race. So it was just stay consistent, stay up top, and you're going to win the driver's championship. Uh, It's interesting to see that juxtaposition of those two mindsets, right? Like, I think that's one of my interesting takeaways and i don't you know i don't think that there's issues in mercedes like with the between the two drivers everybody wants to play up the drama uh but you know i think that you've got to remember where these two are coming from at the last two to three years right and i think that plays into why you know and yeah he did get lucky to get to that but he didn't he doesn't take that chance if he doesn't have that attitude does that make sense I think it makes perfect sense. And it's very interesting. You mentioned the word juxtaposition as what his team did versus what Lewis's team did and giving Lewis the option, whether he wanted to stay out or not, which of course Lewis wanted to stay out, didn't go in during the safety car and it didn't work in his favor. So now he's blaming his team. Uh, So I'm getting really sick of the whining for Lewis um, to this point, because a year ago it was, it was, you should have let me decide to stay out, uh, you know, instead of keeping me out there for track position and maybe I win a championship instead, they do give him the choice this time and doesn't go his way. And so it is very interesting to see how it's affecting him versus how it's affecting George, because to your point, George has everything about where he's at right now is better than the last three years of his career. So he has really nothing to complain about uh, compared to what he's used to, which is refreshing uh, to to be honest. So uh, I I agree. Certainly some luck played into it, but 
even if he had to come in and pit, he was only going to go back to like eighth. So he still was right. going to finish uh, in the points regardless. And actually to your point, to your question about most surprising, uh, even if he finishes eighth, he might be on that list because he started 12th, had a horrible qualifying, uh, bumped out in yeah. Q2. Um, so yeah, I think, I think there's a good, a good chunk of surprises in there. Some could even say max cause he had three horrible days or excuse me, yeah. two horrible days. And, um, you know, had issues in practice one and two, almost wrecked in practice three, screwed up the lap and qualifying, uh, but came out there and, and did what he had to do uh, during the race. So I thought overall right. the storylines made it great, um, had g- plenty of good action. And, you know, the last thing that I want to bring up is something that you already brought up with Norris and Gasly. Um, obviously it's really tough to watch someone like Lando get, spun out that way and be the reason for a safety car. But what do you thought? I think you already mentioned it, but not a racing incident. You think Gasly came over too far into the uh, path of Norris? Uh, I think it kind of went away since Pierre retired, right? I think that had he continued, they would have, or especially if he'd have been in the points, they would have penalized him because it was just kind of reckless, right? Like mm. you think about like, that's that's similar to a lot of what we see in qualifying, right? When somebody yeah. is you know, on a hot lap and you're just not paying attention, right? Not to, you know, we're not going to mention Lance Stroll's name in that. But, you know, I think that it just, you know, I don't think it was intentional, right? But it was no. reckless and it was it was careless. And, you know, it cost land of the race that wasn't going that well anyway. So maybe just kind of put him out of his misery. But, you know, I, you know, I think, I think all in all, no penalty, like nothing after the fact, right? Like we, they don't need to penalize him for the next race, I don't think. But No, I don't think so either disappointing and and you know this i don't know why they pitted him when they did because i mean 3.6 seconds is not like a horrible pit stop like mm-hmm. it's not as good as they've been but it puts them right out there in the middle of all that mess with mess right the with the haas and the aston martins right that was the two teams like that were just like in a drs train of you know just getting stuck and like like why they do that like that that was the biggest mistake yeah um, yeah I'm you know you feel here. like if you run a couple more laps then you build yourself a little bit more of a window and go. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Danny Rick's strategy wasn't that great. Not a great weekend for McLaren after we thought that it was coming up, but you know, on onwards, here we go, I guess. Onwards to Spain, uh, the circuit to Catalonia uh, is where they'll be in two weeks time. This is where they have preseason testing. Uh, so perhaps we'll see some similar Runs as we di- as we did in testing, which is not good news for uh, Mercedes, but is good news for McLaren. Uh, nevertheless, that happens on May 22nd, 9 a.m. Eastern time. It's been on the F1 calendar since 1968 at the current Catalonia circuit since 1991. So it's a mainstay. In the past, it's been voted as one of the most boring races of the season. So we'll see if this new car Ooh. helps to change that in a couple of weeks uh, when they get over there. To Better spend. qualify well. Yes, absolutely, because historically, overtaking is almost impossible. All right, let's keep it in the States. Let's talk about the action in Darlington, South Carolina with the NASCAR folks. It's showtime. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Let's go racing today, boys. Here we go into mostly ovals on one lap down, and Joey Logano boots Byron out of the way for the victory at the Goodyear 400 during throwback weekend sporting the uh, his very first paint scheme when he ran quarter midgets, smoking Joe, as they called him 
Yeah, uh, he, he he heard you last week, Joe. He said, "Get Pinsky's name out your mouth." <laughs> he said, we're, we're gonna do whatever it takes to win. Yeah, and, well, uh, he's the only one. Put that a Ford up there. You love Fords, dude. You love Team Penske. You should be rejoicing right now. I was I was good with the Ford, obviously that part. Um, I don't know if I love Team Penske. I'm a Ryan Blaney fan. Um, I was gonna like Austin Cendrick until he crashed Blaney for the Daytona 500 win, but. Uh, nevertheless, I digress. Uh, let's get to the top 10. Then we'll talk about that move at the end. Uh, Daniel Suarez in 10th place. So it continues a, a good streak for track house. Uh, even though Ross Chastain got in a wreck earlier in the race, he was up front when that happened, by the way, Austin Dillon with another solid performance in ninth place, Ricky Stenhouse jr. In eighth, uh, good run for JTG Doherty. Again, Michael McDowell quietly two top tens in the last two weeks. Uh, in seventh, Christopher Bell, the only Toyota in the top 10. Of course, that last wreck saw Martin Truex uh, go down, a couple other Toyotas in that wreck. Chase Elliott in fifth, who actually just announced he's going to be at the final SRX race this summer. So be on the lookout yep, for yep. that. Kevin Harvick in fourth, quietly doing well uh, here in the middle part of the season. Justin Haley, best finish as a cup driver on the podium, if you will, in third place for Colleg Racing. Tyler Reddick with a, a fourth time finishing second this season. I really feel for him. I hope he uh, gets off of that run here soon and, and finds victory lane. And then Joey Logano into the last lap was second. Uh, moved Byron out of the way and gets the first win of the season for him. First time in 20-plus races that he's seen victory lane. And you know what? My first thought was, and I thought about tweeting it, but it didn't really matter. Um, not only should no one feel, you know, be surprised by this because of course it's Joey Logano and that's how he races. But at Martinsville, when he finished second to Byron, he said, if I could have got to him, I would have moved him to win. And in Darlington, he could get to him and he moved him and he won. So not to say that's, Overly coincidental that it was that it was Byron. Logano said at the end that Byron pushed him into the wall earlier in the race, so this is retaliation for that. But no one should be surprised that he did this. Uh, regardless of who was in front of him, Logano is going to move you out of the way if he feels like he has the chance to win the race. Yeah, well, so here's my question, Joe. What's the penalty on Logano from NASCAR for, for, for pushing him out of the way? Nothing. They're not going to penalize Nothing. him. Is yeah. it against the rules? No. So do it. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I, like why is everybody gonna cry about it right you know it's, yeah it like why is it dirty like you know it's not like he's he not got dirty. away with it you know you, you talk about like a dirty football player or basketball player mm. and taking a cheap shot after the whistle or fouling too hard and they'll give you a, and you know maybe it should have been a flagrant or you know that's like dirty and you get away with it but this is in plain sight you get to do it like you know it's coming like where like what's what like what is like what are these unwritten rules that like fans want people to live by and yeah. then oh they're they're there's a heel if they do these things you know and it all depends you know, on Dale, who does it right it all depends did Dale on Dale Earnhardt ever do anything it. like this you, <laughs> yeah you know the Dale Earnhardt did he ever do anything like this was he the heel like <laughs> as I, often know, as he could know. that's the kind of stuff where you know I got I you know I laughed about it because you you see it happen you're like oh man here it comes you know everybody's going to be all fired up and they're booing him after the fact and, and this and that where you know if somebody would have you know, imagine he puts that same move on Kyle Bush. Are they booing yeah. him then? You know, right. like, so it's interesting. I like it. It's part of the show. So give me more. I want more I'm, of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly all for it. I know it sucks that Byron went from first to 13th and had flat tires because of it. But, you know, it's just how it goes sometimes. And it, it definitely sucks to be on that end of it. But um, 
I don't think it was clean. I don't think it was dirty. I think it's just racing. I think that's just yeah. how it goes sometimes. Uh, so yeah, moving on to Kansas after that scenario in Darlington, parody continues to dominate the storylines, which is great. Another victory from a different winner. Uh, so that playoff field's getting full pretty quickly and they won't have time to worry about too much because they're going to be in Kansas on Sunday at 3 PM. Uh, real quick fi- fact about Kansas. People don't really know this. There's actually a road course at Kansas that runs through the infield. Uh, it's only run by the Rolex sports car series. So if you ever want to really? see the road course in action, that's what you have to watch in order to, uh, to see that. So interesting there for the folks in Kansas, by the way, that's going to be on FS1 for those that are looking for it on their TVs this Sunday. Okay, let's get into our hot lap headlines for this week. As you can imagine, with F1 and NASCAR going head-to-head this week, our hot lap headlines are pretty much predominantly talking about the ratings. And so I will go first with those Cup Series TV ratings on FS1, not on Fox, scored a 1.45 rating at Darlington, which is about 2.61 million viewers. Uh, In our age group, 18 to 49, there were 517,000 people watching the race. Interesting. Well, let's go back down to Miami. The F1 ratings, Joe, F1 race on ABC, it scored a 1.08 rating. So that's about 2.06 million viewers. So less total viewers than the NASCAR race, the Cup Series on Sunday in Darlington. However, you mentioned our age group. In NASCAR, they had 517,000. In our age group for the F1 race, we had 735,000. So almost Mm -hmm. 50% more viewers in our 18 to 49. Now we're not talking about like a five-year age bracket, right? We're talking 18 to 49. Yeah. So and interesting, you know, I think, you know, you look at that stat, compare that to what we said on the, uh, you know, out of the gate, talking about having more U.S. races. And mm-hmm. they said it multiple times. Yeah, we're here, but these are hot laps. On to the next one. And these are U.S. numbers, by the way. This is not global. So this is right. all strictly in the U.S. And just to add to that F1 rating, from green to checkered, because they had a 90-minute pre-race show, from the drop of the green flag to the checkered flag, they actually saw an increase in viewership of 2.6, which is the same number that NASCAR got on FS1. So if you break it down to the race total, they're the same uh, overall, regardless of the demographics. So it's clear that what F1's doing is working. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Somebody... Speaking of Americans and at the F1 race, somebody might recognize uh, Michael Andretti. You ever heard that name before, Joe? Uh, a few times. Yeah. Well, he was seeking some signatures for a petition to waive the $200 million entry fee for a new F1 teams. Uh, I mean, he's really looking to continue to seek that spot for an American team on the grid. Uh, just Alpine and McLaren have agreed to sign allegedly. There were some good photos of him sitting there with Christian Horner and, and meeting with several people in the broadcasting booth. Uh, and even too, I think somebody had a little photo over the shoulder of him sitting with Christian Horner. And you can see there were some signatures on there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you look at what the Netflix show, as much as they complain about them over dramatizing it, I think you got to put that as the number one reason the U.S. fan base is growing. It's why I'm here. Probably you too, Joe. Mm-hmm, yeah, uh, you know, really into it. And then you, know, you got to think about what it would mean to have an American team. Personally, though, and not to add too much commentary on the hot lap, but personally, I don't feel like I need an American team to be an F1 fan. I think it would be cool. I'd love to see it. 
but it's not that my fanhood isn't doesn't ride on that opinion right like my favorite drivers are spanish and british and you know i like I'm fine cheering with an international athlete. I do it all the time in swimming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. It's not going to affect um, negatively affect or positively affect. It's going to change. It's going to stay the same uh, for me. Right. But for those seeking clarification, Alpine would probably be their engine supplier. And of course, Zach Brown is a, uh, a friend of Michael's and obviously involved in IndyCar. Uh, so much so, by the way, that in the pre-race, if you all didn't see it, Zach Brown agreed to let Mario Andretti drive one of his cars at the U S Grand Prix in Austin. So Mario and Dre is going to get back into a uh, open wheel car. Uh, so we'll shy see. with the politics, Joe. So shy. <laughs> oh, man. What was, uh, uh, why did, uh, why did Zach Brown leave uh, his, uh, his career as a driver? What was the reason that he did that to pursue a career as what? I don't remember. Because he, he was better at getting sponsors. So he's ah, a promoter. Yes. That's what he does for a living, Joe. So no, very, do, you know, I'm pretty sure he, uh, he he very candidly set that up to be on live television to get uh, <laughs> ready a seat. But but yeah, still really point. cool, really cool to see that. And, and just one quick fact about that: I don't know if people knew uh, Jeff Gordon was down there at the F1 race in Miami, was back in time uh, to see his car get punted and spun around. <laughs> Not his car, but his number car. His right? number, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I thought that was kind of when it was in the Jeff Gordon paint scheme, especially yeah. so. Yeah. Tim Boyer had a fun uh, comment on that at the end of the race. And yeah, he's uh, traveling all over the place on race day. Pretty, pretty poetic for sure. Hey, let's um, zoom has us at two minutes left to record. So we'll see how we'll test the limits there on that for some reason, but let's get into our high side, low side. Right, every week, every episode, Brad and I talk about our highlights and lowlights of the week. And mine's pretty simple. Uh, I have a lot of optimism around F1's approach to grow the sport in our age group in hopes that NASCAR will stop being stubborn and see that it's working and maybe bring that to what they can offer as well and try to use the same tools uh, with social media and, and streaming platforms to grow the sport that's already here in the States that are much easier and cheaper to get to if you're a motorsports fan here in the U.S., yeah, I like that. I think that's that, that one's pretty cool. And I think that kind of goes into to my high side as well. It was, it was cool to see how many of the teams just enjoyed being in the States, being in Miami. Um, it was as cringy as it was. Uh, I think that they talk about the fan appreciation for F1 being here, but it doesn't seem like it's an obligation. It seems like something that the F1 teams, the drivers, the promoters are really enjoying. And, and hopefully that helps to continue to grow. And we get more out of Austin. We get more out of Las Vegas next year. Fingers certainly crossed on that. And low side for me is there really wasn't much of one, but again, I had to wait to watch the race and the freaking (laughs) stress is so much higher for me than it is otherwise. I don't know why it is, but especially with Max out there in front and the safety car happens, I just, I started to like get really nervous in my, I was actually like shaking a little bit. Of course it was cold in the house, (laughs) but I just don't like that, man. I'm hoping in two weeks, at 9 a.m., I'm not doing anything else, and I can actually watch it live. Fair enough, fair enough. Low side for me is the uh, the, the grid walk with Martin Brundle. That was oh, awful. God. That was so was cringy bad. to watch. So bad. And, I, and, you know, he's got the wrong Patrick Mahomes. And and then the kicker for me is he's looking for a celebrity to interview. He's like, let's see if we can find it. He's, like, literally bumping Dwayne Wade out of the way. I, yeah, like, I couldn't believe that. Like, it's like that is a Miami sports legend right there in front of you, like, you know, I know like everybody jumped on him last year for, or jumped on uh, 
the crew of Megan the Stallion, right? Not knowing mm-hmm. who he was, the people in Austin not knowing who he was, but he's got to do his homework too, man. There's no way that there's not a list of everybody that's going to be on yeah. the grid. So, yeah. So, I mean, come on. He's got to like, he, he's got to know who's out there. It was weird. You know, he had Dwayne Wade. He had like, he had all of these folks that like that he could have been interviewing. It was awkward with DJ Khaled. It was awkward trying to find the drivers. He knew who that uh, was. <laughs> yeah, at least. Yeah. Well, obviously. And then they kept telling him Patrick Mahomes, right? I mentioned that, but like, oh my gosh. So low side for me, real cringy on the, uh, on the grid walk, but I loved it. I tweeted about it. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, like, come it was on, awesome Martin Brundle. Martin Brundle, you're awesome. Do your homework though. Yeah. Well, and like somebody in his ear, if he has a producer, maybe they can help. I don't know. Like they could. Yeah. So um, yeah. Sorry. Somebody on Martin Brundle's team <laughs> do your homework and like and figure that stuff out, right? Yeah, so, yeah, uh, for real. Uh, I definitely agree. That was more cringy, closely, not by much, than the post race interviews uh, with Willie T. Ribs. Oh man, but you know what? I want to compare that to. I don't know if like I was all in on this race weekend. I was not that excited about Miami, but I went all in on it. Watched. You know, I got to watch qualifying live for once, wasn't busy on Saturday. I got up on Sunday and, you know, we were kind of getting, doing stuff around the house and you get here and, you know, I turned on the, like the F1 YouTube that starts even earlier than the pre-race, right? And they had, that had the driver parade. And that was awesome because a lot of it, there was no commentary. It like, they're just kind of showing the sights and sounds and you could hear the DJ going. And like, there's part of me that I kind of just want that experience at these races. Like, I just like, like, give me a pre-race without all of, like, the hype and the commentary. Like, give me an option to watch, even if it's just on YouTube, where they're just kind of there, get a quick interview. You can see, like, you know, what's going on. They've got the gondola going over the track. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that was really cool stuff. It's similar to, like, I mean, same way, like, we talk about with Crank It Up on when yeah. we watch a NASCAR race. You know, they do, I, I think, like, turn it up or volume up, I think, during quali- or during the practice round now practice, of Formula yeah. One. You know, but I don't know if we touched on this last week, Joe, but watching some of the USFL football, Fox broadcast team does crank it up for them. Yeah. Right. And, <laughs> and they did that for like almost five minutes. Mm-hmm. And that was the most enjoyable five minutes of watching like a nonpartisan football, like where I didn't care about a team. That was the best. Like that was the yeah. best. Like you, you hear the play calls, you hear all that. So, you know, we, we don't have to have filler. Just, you know, let's just sometimes enjoy the sights and sounds. Um, I- I think that's a good point because what's the biggest post-race thing people brought up two weeks ago at Imola, the breakdown room. Nobody's yeah, yeah. commenting on that. We're just listening to the drivers talk. Oh, they boy, they were pretty beat up this week, weren't they? They were a fool. I, I haven't I seen mean, them that drenched and sweat and tired before. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that looks, I mean, that's where, you know, the, you can make your argument about certain like motorsports being athletes or not i think that they are but mm-hmm. you know after watching those guys in that in that uh you know post-race room there like there's no way you're going to argue that those guys aren't, aren't athletes like that has got to be tough to do yeah. that in the heat you know and stay that mentally sharp so that was pretty that was pretty cool to respect that part of the sport last weekend i'm sure kimmy was glad he wasn't racing it because his drink probably would have been a problem he never in real trouble well dude, that's why that's why they retired the car with guan yu yeah, because so the, the drink wasn't working. It's Alfa Romeo, man. They got a problem with I'm their joking. hydration. I'm, I made that. I made that part up. But who knows? It could be. They just didn't want to admit it. That's my yeah. conspiracy of the week. <laughs> I like it. Joe was uh, like, "I'm not doing this. I ain't doing this with no drink." 
Uh, well, before we go, uh, just a quick final burnout. Uh, for those that want more racing, uh, you can watch in the virtual world. The college teams get underway tonight in the Collegiate iRacing League, CIL, on uh, twitch.tv slash Collegiate iRacing League. You can watch the old races um, if you'd like. Root for your – you might not even realize that your favorite school has a team, and you can root what, for them uh, season five. What night five is this, Joe? What night is this? These are on Tuesday nights. Tuesday nights, because yeah. we're recording on Tuesday. Right. You might be listening to this on well, Thursday. Or a year from now, you can listen to these podcasts on Spotify. It's true. Didn't know. So apparently Mondays are for oval racing and Tuesdays are for road course racing. Um, cool. Tonight at 9 p.m. Tuesday, 9 p.m. Uh, they'll be racing at the Red Bull Ring. And then next Monday night at 9 p.m. They'll be racing at Talladega. So uh, give it just give it a look. See, like I said, maybe one of your favorite schools is uh, being represented and you want to cheer them on. It's free to watch. Uh, if you have a Discord account, iRacing account, you can get even more involved with watching it uh, that way and, and talking to some of the drivers. University of Lynchburg has an entry. Uh, they'll be yep. on the track tonight and every other race throughout the summer here in season five. Um, I painted the cars. So if you like them, uh, give me a shout and um, let me know I'm doing a good job because I need that for my ego. Appreciate that. Um, I don't like I don't like any of them that you've done so far. So I hope <laughs> that they're getting better. They're terrible. That's all I can do is try to get better. That's it. Uh, that's all I can do. Well, if you want to uh, chat with us about real racing, easy to do that on social media, on Twitter at One Lap Down Pod, and also on Facebook at One Lap Down Podcast. Uh, Brad, I might have cut you off there. Do you have any final thoughts? No, I was saying if you you got to check them out because Joe does a killer job, especially the one you did for Ed Smith tribute to his dad. Um, it, it is pretty cool. So I think it's a it's an untapped art, uh, and you know maybe somebody listen to this. Uh, uh, needs a custom paint scheme. So give Joe a call. Don't call yeah. me. I can help you out with Spanish homework and swim lessons. That's about <laughs> it. Teach us in Spanish before the Spanish Grand Prix in two weeks. That's your guy. Oh yeah, man. Oh Brad, yeah, man. Guy. I love, I love when they interview the Spaniards and Checo in Spanish. Everybody asks me what they're saying. I speak Spanish for anybody that doesn't know on this podcast. So I love it. Que bueno. Y vamos. All right. That's it for us. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we'll be back next week. Another jam-packed show. Thanks to uh, IndyCar being involved as well as NASCAR. Looking forward to seeing those guys on the track at the GMR Grand Prix in Indianapolis. And until then, I'm Joe Huxler. I'm Brad Dunn. And we'll talk to you then. See ya. See ya.